0: Welcome to The Sunday Soother, a podcast, newsletter, and community about authentic living and compassionate personal development. I'm your host, Katherine Andrews, a life coach, online teacher, and writer focused on self-reflection, mindfulness, and how to create meaning in our everyday lives in practical ways. Join me weekly for conversations about personal growth, spirituality, self-discovery, and self-care, and how we can navigate this messy world with hope and humanity. Hi, everybody, it's Catherine, and welcome back to the Sunday See Podcast. And I wanted to do a podcast today on one of the topics I love to talk about most, teach the most, that I think is so critical to your self-discovery, your personal growth, your emotional healing, and that is journaling. However, I see so many of my audience and my clients really struggle with the concept of journaling. There just seems to be something that blocks them from starting. They intellectually know and understand that journaling is a recommended self-care and mental health practice, and they may want to start their own practice. But there's a ton of resistance around it. And so today I wanted to explore that resistance from a couple of different angles and give you tips for beginning to ease into a journaling practice that will ultimately benefit you. But before we dive into all the journaling stuff, I wanted to make sure to remind you to join up, join up, hmm, you know, join, sign up, do all the things for the Sunday City Membership. Um, In, money, in May, we're going to be talking about money. May is going to be money month, which is exciting. I have a podcast or two lined up. Um, I have a whole workshop I'm going to be teaching inside Tier Three of the Sunday Soother Membership about money. It's going to be Taurus season in our Taurus New Moon Journal Circle. Taurus is a very a sign that has a lot to do with abundance and luxury. So. May is the perfect time to explore your money stories, and in my money workshop, I'm going to be teaching you four pillars of expanding your abundance. I'm going to be talking about your ancestral and generational inherited money stories, your emotional uh container for money your energetic container for money and your beliefs around money so we're going to walk through this four-step process and i'm going to have you reflect on aspects of your beliefs your emotions your energies that may not be serving you in your current money story and uh hopefully the ultimate goal will be to help you expand your abundance call in more money be wealthy get all that good stuff that you know we all kind of want at some level we may be a little bit shy about claiming it but I think it'll be really fun um I think I teach money in a way that's that's different from a lot of people so this won't be about like how you should budget or how you need to work with a financial advisor it's going to be more about the subconscious stuff the identity stuff the energetic stuff the nervous system stuff so sign up in tier three that's going to be later in May I'll have an exact date soon But for now, let's jump into journaling and creating a journaling practice and creating ultimately what I want to term a reparative journaling experience, Um, reparative as in the sense of repair. Because what I see for those of us who have often been blocked around journaling is that there is something in our past history that may have taught us that journaling is unsafe to do. And I want to gently encourage you today to recover that safety and that joy in journaling to make it once again an accessible practice to you. So... My journaling story is I was a happy, happy journaler as a little kid. I had pen pals. I had a journal. (laughs) Um, It had a little lock on it. It was pink, you know, and I would write, you know, basic shit that like 10 year olds are writing, which is the boys I had crushes on. Or if I felt, you know, something unfair at school had happened or if my little sister was bothering me or whatever. And... Over time something shifted. I, I did keep a um a journal in college as well. And I also was like deeply online and so I was like keeping a live journey a live journal and a diary land diary land throwback alerts if you remember either of those platforms. But when I was young, I did have fam- a family member read my journal. Um, at least I suspected that. I'm pretty sure it is what happened. I never totally confirmed it. And then when I was in college, I had moved to like electronic journaling. <laughs> so that's when I was like blogging. I basically started blogging when I was 15. I found um, Live Journal and Diaryland, which were like the original online blogging sites, and. um I I was just open-hearted in both of these journals. When I was a little kid, I was just pouring my feelings out into the page, and then to know that somebody had read that was really uh, wounding for me. And then in college, I, I, again, to kind of move away from family members reading my stuff because I knew they didn't know how to (laughs) work the computer, basically, um, I moved electronically online because I felt a lot more secure there. I've never had a problem opening up to strangers or people who are reading my work online, but Isn't that like funny, that paradox with some of the people closest to you in your life, they're the ones you don't want reading your innermost thoughts. But online, I was also very open. Um, I shared lots of stuff. I I built really strong online communities and friendships and had people um, reading my live journal and my diary land. But I went through a breakup when I was about 19 or 20, and I had that ex-boyfriend sort of almost as as revenge try to hack into my diaryland I actually remember distinctly that I got an email from the founder of Diaryland being like so somebody is running like a scripted program to try to hack into your Diaryland journal and it's from this IP address which is at this college in this city which was the same city and college that my ex-boyfriend was at and Looking back on those two incidents now, the family member reading my journal and then the boyfriend trying to hack my online journal, I stopped keeping... Um, private journals. I stopped really journaling. I would still blog. And there was some element of blogging that that was very like journaling for me, but it was a little bit more performative. Um, I never really kept a secret journal after that, whether it was a journal, a notebook that I just kept to myself in my, in my bedroom, in my study. And I never really kept a secret online journal either because I just, I didn't feel safe. Those experiences to me had proved that it was not safe to journal, that somebody was going to try to break in <laughs> and use your information against you. And it was really scary. You know, you know? So what happened was I blogged happily through my 20s and into my 30s, really. And then I, I came up against a really big writer's block where I stopped blogging and I hadn't journaled all through my 20s either. And nothing was coming out of me. So I wasn't blogging in a way which was, you know, very, very journaly style blogging. Um, not quite as intense as like a private journal where you're talking about everything. But I was recording what I was doing. And I was sharing my thoughts on things. And I was, you know, exploring concepts that I was learning about via the blog. But I also wasn't journaling. So no writing was coming out of me. And that happened (laughs) for like a good five or six years. Really, this is like my late 20s into my mid to late 30s. I wasn't writing personally. Um, I wasn't journaling, I wasn't blogging, and I was really stu- struggling with with both of those. Luckily, what happened is, as you may know, I came across The Artist's Way and after a couple of false starts, I started morning pages journaling, which really unlocked my capacity both for journaling, journaling, and writing again as blogging. Out of The Artist's Way came my journaling practice. I still do morning pages to this day. And out of the morning pages came The Sunday Soother and my creativity, and ultimately this creative business that I now run. And so I'm so grateful for that. And what Morning Pages really gave me was this reparative journaling experience, meaning that it showed me that journaling could be safe and useful again. And I was able to reconnect with journaling as a safe platform in order to access its benefits and create a regular practice. So what I want you to reflect on is if you want to journal, but you're struggling with it, What has there been any time when you did journal and something happened? Perhaps a a family member read your journal. Perhaps somebody made fun of something that they found in your journal. Perhaps you had ultimately, maybe not a negative journaling experience but you had an experience where your written word was made fun of. So somebody, a teacher, a friend, a mentor, an adult, made fun of something that you were writing creatively. Because I think we can have journal trauma, which is my experience as of people without permission, violating your safety and trust and in your innermost emotional world and reading your journal or trying to hack into it. But we can also have creative trauma. And we can have somebody make us believe at some point that our written word or our voice is not worthy and has has nothing useful to say. And that can affect our journaling ability as well. So the first element, if you want to journal but are struggling to, is just to reflect on that. Was there a time when it ever felt unsafe to express yourself in a written format or using your voice? And maybe it did and maybe it didn't. Maybe nothing comes to mind. In which case, what I really find to be the second biggest block in journaling for my clients is just general perfectionism. Um, We're not used to just writing just for ourselves without it being performative or feeling like it has to have uh, a particular use or it has to be useful or beautiful to somebody else. And we think also when we're journaling, we need to start this incredible journaling practice where we're writing for an hour a day and so eloquently about our innermost thoughts and it just needs to look a certain way. And it needs to be a certain length, and we can get really stuck and in our heads about what that journaling should look like. So perfectionism generally can just be a big block to journaling as well. So what I want to offer for you today are some tips to create a reparative journaling experience if you would like to start journaling either for the first time or again. Um, And ultimately, it's all about creating a sense of safety and worth, as most things are. So if you want to begin journaling again, the first thing I would recommend is to Whatever you have to do to make sure that journal is private, do that. So you may need to get an actual lock for your journal again and really hide the key in a creative place. Maybe you need a safe for your journal. Um, maybe you need to absolutely hide it in the, in the furthest depths of your home where literally nobody would ever find it, right? So creating safety and knowing, really truly knowing and as an adult that nobody will find and read your journal, I think is, is paramount number one. Second, if, if that doesn't feel even enough, you can journal and burn your pages or shred them regularly. That's totally fine as a journaling practice. I find many people, write, they really need to get things up and out of their body onto the page and it's just too terrifying to think about if, if there's even a 1% chance of somebody finding and reading these things. So ultimately, you can create a burning or shredding ritual. It can be every time you journal, you can burn or delete if you're doing it electronically or shred those pages. Or perhaps it's simply monthly or quarterly. You find your journals, you burn them, you shred them, whatever you do to need to get rid of them. Um... You know, I think some this is hard for some people because ultimately we do want some record to come back, but for some of us burning or shredding is going to be a really nice practice to allow us to ensure ultimately that there's no chance that everybody will read our words ever again. Um the next step I want to offer is is kind of if you can make it fun. I would use stickers and markers and buy an inner child journal, something that really sparks your inner child, something playful, something sparkly. If that's your jam, maybe it has unicorns on it, right? And we're creating a reparative journaling experience for our inner child with this. So you are just being like going back to whatever age, um, if you had journal trauma, going back to the age of, of when that may have happened and what kind of journal would that little kid have wanted? You know, I had a pink journal with a lock on it. And I think it would be really fun for me to kind of buy that kind of journal again. You can get stickers, you can get fun markers, you can decorate it, right? I took Susanna Conway's, um, gosh, I forget what the course was called, but it was a journaling course that she did. And I thought it was really lovely. It was sweet. She shows you how to decorate your pages with stickers and wasabi tape. Um, I think that's the word. And I think it it can take some of the heaviness out of journaling for some of us. I think some of us are a little afraid to journal. Maybe we don't have perfectionism. Maybe we don't have journal trauma. But we're like, oh, shit, the stuff that's going to come up on the page, like, I am not equipped to handle. (laughs) So have permission to make it fun, make it light, make it silly, make it pink, make it sparkly, right? Use stickers, um, do whatever, right? The the next thing, if journaling is going to feel too heavy for you, is also just to set timers for your journaling, and make it really slow and gentle. And so maybe the first time you journal is for five minutes once a week. And that's all that you have to do, right? Because you are slowly like titrating, slowly coming back into journaling. You don't have to be like anybody who starts and t- and takes immediately to morning pages and is all of a sudden journaling for 20 minutes every single day. You're allowed to start really slow. You're allowed to take it at your own pace, whatever feels good to you. And another tip that I would recommend is if you want to ease into journaling, is I would just keep a journal about bullshit for a month. <laughs> and when I say bullshit, you can keep a journal of movies you watched, or you can keep a journal of the weather every day, or you can keep a journal of 10 things you, s- you noticed in nature that day, right? So it's not bullshit, but more an observational journal where you're learning to practice more emotional excavation journaling, but you're first learning to just be with the simple act of writing literally anything down, right? This will help with those of us who struggle with perfectionism too, setting the timer or keeping a journal about you know, your favorite colors, <laughs> or keeping a journal about like, what is Hugh Jackman up to these days, you know, whatever, like any celebrity news. So making it simple and making it not feel so particularly heavy are are ways you can kind of ease back into journaling. So those are some tips I had. I'm sure the Sunday Seether community has more. So if you have journal trauma and want to share about that, or if you're struggling to create a journaling practice, um, I'd love to hear from you. But I'll um, share these tips again, and then I'll just share a little bit about my current journaling practice, because sometimes it's just nice to hear where people are at. So if you want to create this reparative journaling experience to help uh, either overcome perfectionism or heal any journal trauma, get a lock for your journal or a safe. Whatever you need to do, even if it feels extreme, create ultimate safety around that journal. You are the only one who can access it. Second, you can burn pages regularly, whether it's daily or whenever you're writing or you're doing it on a monthly or more quarterly basis. Whatever you have to, to do to ensure that people don't read those thoughts, if that's what you need, that is absolutely fine. Burn, shred, whatever you need to do to those pages. Um, make it fun. Use a stickers and marker, Use stickers and markers, sparkles, glitter, whatever, right? And this is where you're letting your inner child do a little journaling. Set a timer. Really just let yourself journal for 5 or 10 minutes once a week. And that's all you have to do. I find you actually don't even have to force it beyond that because ultimately you'll find yourself wanting to journal more naturally. Um, And maybe you won't. Maybe 5 to 10 minutes a week is is really what you'll need. You you get to settle into your own journaling rhythm as well. It doesn't necessarily need to be a daily habit. It doesn't need to look like anybody else's. Finally, just keep a journal about bullshit for a month (laughs) as a way to ease in on journaling. Um, so those are the tips kind of to create a reparative journaling experience. You know, other, another tip I'll say is you can take a journaling course. Sometimes you need, then there are plenty of journaling courses online. Like I I said, uh, Susanna Conway has, has great courses and she had a a really nice journaling course and I'm sure there are others out there. Sometimes you just need to like relearn to journal again and have some accountability and instruction with somebody who feels like a, a wise mentor or a kind guide helping you do that. So my journaling practice these days is I would say I journal three to five days a week. Um, I actually had made a goal at the start of the year to journal every single day in 2023, and I have not stuck to that. I, I basically bailed on journaling in February, and it was a really hard mental month, a mental health month for me. But since March, I have journaled pretty regularly, not every single day. I often skip weekends, but I'm journaling three to five days a week regularly, so what I do is the first thing I do is I wake up and I meditate in bed and then I go into the kitchen and I kind of make whatever drinks I'm having that morning. I take them off to I have a little room off my office and I've turned it into like a little meditation journaling room and I have a little chair and I sit down and I put my drinks down and I light some some incense and light a candle. And then I start journaling. I, I still do morning pages most mornings. That's mostly what my journaling practice looks like. And morning pages is I use a mead spiral notebook. You know, you can use whatever kind of journal you like, but I love those because they're cheap and you know they're just well they're cheap, and I like their colors, <laughs> so I've never been somebody who needs like a fancy journal to journal um but a lot of people like that, and that's totally awesome and fine if if that's gonna like make it more fun and and uh doable for you. But I pick up my mead spiral notebook and I journal for three pages in the notebook. I start out stream of consciousness, and almost every single day I've journaled since I've been doing morning pages, I say, "Good morning, morning pages." <laughs> That's the first thing I write. And I just start writing from there. And I've been doing a little bit of shifting where my final page is I'll often write down intentions and gratitudes for the day ahead. And that's been really nice. Sometimes I'll write down my goals for the year. Even though I know my goals, I kind of just like to write them down on paper and see them to remind my subconscious, remind my conscious (laughs) to, to focus on those things too. So it's kind of looking like two, two and a half pages of stream of consciousness and then a page or half a page of intention, gratitude, goal setting for the day. And then I put it down and I go downstairs and I, I get on with my day. Um, so oh, I forgot the most fun thing. How could I forget this tip? If you're into tarot, simply just pick a tarot card at the start of journaling and be like, tarot, what should I journal on today? And let tarot do the heavy lifting for you. And you can write about what you see. In the tarot card, you can be like, okay, well, in this card, there's the Six of Cups, there's two children, and it looks like they're in this village, and there are these six cups. And you can simply just describe the tarot card and see what flows from there. I love letting tarot, like, tell me what I should do. (laughs) Not really. Like, obviously, I make my own decisions, but sometimes when I need to take a little bit of... I just need somebody else to make a decision for me that I know what the answer is, but I just want to be guided. I turned to tarot. And I think getting started in your practice, um, your journaling practice with tarot as like your journaling guide could be really fun. Anyways, I hope this is really fun. If you've experienced journal trauma or you resonated with anything, or if you want to share tips that have made journaling easier for you. Um, I would love to hear those. You can DM me at Katherine Andrews on Instagram or email me Katherine at dot And I hope that you find a path towards journaling that resonates for you and is that as that's helpful for your growth, for your self-reflection, for your self-discovery, and for your tender, sweet heart. And um, I'd love to hear anything about this episode that resonated with you. Otherwise, just have a wonderful week ahead and I'm sending you all my love. That's it for this week's Sunday Seether. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you have a moment, go on over to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. That's how other people find this podcast and the message of hope and compassionate personal growth I'm hoping to spread to many more people just like you. You can find me on Instagram at Andrews and find out more about the Sunday Seether at thesundayseether.com. You can also check out my services, courses, and coaching at KatherineDandrews.com. Have a great day ahead.